thank you for choosing to listen to the Flight of Baptist Church podcast. This is a weekly podcast of our sermon series. In this message, Easter Changes Everything, Pastor Scott Roberson asks us what has really changed after Easter. What happens to an ordinary life when Jesus turns up alive? Today's podcast will be referring to Luke 24, 13-35. Easter was last Sunday. You knew that. This is the Sunday after Easter. But Jesus is still risen. Yeah. He's still risen. Last week, we focused on the truth that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead. And we devoted a lot of energy to that. We celebrated the fact that Jesus is alive. This week, I want to ask a question. And it might sound a little irreverent, but I don't mean it to be. And the question is, so what? So what if Jesus is alive? So what if he's still risen? What, what difference does it make today? How does it change things today? And the way I want to get at this question and think about this is by looking at a, an after Easter story. This is about an encounter that took place after Jesus' resurrection. It's a story about two men, two ordinary men, two guys, and these are men who had met Jesus and become his followers. They had heard they had heard Jesus say amazing things, and they saw Jesus do amazing things, and they had become convinced that Jesus was somebody very special. He was someone chosen by God to do something great. And they had gotten very, very excited about what they thought Jesus was going to do until the unthinkable happened. And he was arrested. And he was put on trial. And he was condemned. And then he was executed. When we pick up the story, it's, it's now Sunday afternoon, Easter Sunday afternoon. It's three days after Jesus' death. And these guys are leaving. They're leaving Jerusalem. And they are going back to what apparently is their hometown, a place called Emmaus, And it appears that they're going back to the life that they lived before Jesus. So we're going to pick it up. I want to read the story, and then I want to draw some lessons for us, some after Easter lessons, right? This story is in Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. And you can either... 
Uh, use your Bible or grab a Bible out of the rack in front of you. Follow along. It's not on the sheet, but the words will be on the screen. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now that same day, Easter Sunday, two of them, two of Jesus' followers, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. It doesn't say what kept them from recognizing him or who. It just says they didn't. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and in deed. Before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them by them when he broke the bread. All right, here are some after Easter lessons for us. Lesson number one. What we believe, what we really believe, determines what we do. And what we do shows what we believe. 
what we really believe. Probably going to have a hard time fitting that all in that one line, but write small. What we really believe determines what we do, and what we do shows what we believe. Why are these guys leaving Jerusalem? Because as far as they are concerned, this whole Jesus thing is over. It's over. And they are deeply disappointed. You know, it says in verse 17, their faces were downcast. That means they looked really sad. They were depressed. Their hopes had been crushed. Their hearts had been broken. And see, it's not just that Jesus died. It's not just that he was killed. That was horrible enough. But what's really got them depressed is that Jesus didn't do what they thought, what they hoped he was going to do. It says, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And you need to know what they meant by that. What they meant was they thought that Jesus was going to rally the Jews and lead them in overthrowing the oppression of Rome. The Romans who had oppressed them for decades. See, they wanted Jesus to do the Moses thing. They wanted him to go to the emperor and say, let my people go. And if he didn't, then to call down a whole bunch of plagues on the Romans until they finally got the message and they set the Jews free and got out of their land. That's what they were hoping for. But Jesus didn't do that. And instead, he got himself arrested and then put to death. Which means, in their minds, he must not have been the Messiah. He wasn't who we thought he was. So, time to go back home. Time to go home and lick our wounds. That's what they think. But here's the thing. What they think is wrong. It's completely wrong. They're depressed for no reason. They think Jesus is dead. But he's not dead. They think it's all over. But it's not over. But that's what they believe. See? That's what they believe. And what we believe determines how we act. It determines what we do, whether it's true or not. I've heard stories of people that have gotten notified that a loved one was, was killed in some accident or something. These are true stories. And the whole family goes through the whole grieving process, and they even get to the point of planning funeral and all that. And then they get word that, oh, sorry, are bad, they're not dead after all. And then the family rejoices. Okay, what, what's different? It's not reality, it's just what they think. It's what they believe. What we believe determines what we do, whether it's true or not. And then the flip side of that is, what we do 
shows what we really believe. Now, see, Jesus had told his followers, he had told them that they were going to Jerusalem and he was going to be put to death and then on the third day he would rise again. He told them that in advance. And then these women had gone to the tomb that very morning and had seen that Jesus' body was not there. And they had seen this vision of angels. The angels told them, he's not here, he's risen, just as he said. And then some of them, turns out it was Peter and John, had gone to the tomb and checked it out, and true enough, the body's not there. In spite of all of that, these guys do not believe that Jesus is alive. They believe he's still dead. And you can tell. How can you tell? By how they're acting. They're still depressed. They're still mourning. And they're leaving Jerusalem. They're leaving behind the other Jesus followers. And they're going back to the life they lived before they met Jesus. And I'm forced to ask... How about me? How about us? What do we really believe? Are we living like we really believe that Jesus is alive? Can people tell that that's what we really believe? We might say we believe it. I might say I believe it, but if someone came and walked alongside of me for a while, walked alongside of you, just kind of followed us around, maybe for a week or a month or something, just watched how we do things, what our priorities are, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we live, could they tell that we really believe that Jesus is alive? All right, so why didn't these guys believe that Jesus was alive? This is very interesting, because according to Jesus, it's not that they didn't have enough evidence. Okay, so here's lesson number two. (laughs) It is foolish not to believe all that God has revealed. It's foolish not to believe all that God has revealed. Jesus calls them foolish, he says, for being slow to believe, reluctant to believe, hesitating to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, we have to know what he's talking about. What was a prophet? A prophet, what made a prophet a prophet was this. It was that he was not speaking out of his own mind. He was not speaking his own ideas, his own thoughts. What makes a prophet a prophet, according to the Bible, is that a prophet speaks a message from God. That that's where it comes from, ultimately. And so you just can't get away from the fact, you cannot get away from the fact that that is what the Bible claims to be again and again and again, that it claims to be a written record of what 
God wants us to know. It's a written record of what God wants to say to us. It's a written record of what God wants to teach us. Now, see, Jesus very clearly believed that. You see that in the way he interacts with these two guys. Jesus very clearly believes that that's what the Bible is, that this message is from God. And so if we're going to take Jesus seriously, we have to take the Bible seriously because that's what he believed. That's what he taught. But here's the thing to see, okay? This is what's so ironic about this. These guys thought they did take the Bible seriously. They thought they did. I'm sure if you went up and asked the two of them, you just went up and walked, hey, guys, do you believe that God spoke through Moses? Do you believe that God spoke through the prophets? They would have said, yeah, absolutely. Of course we do. So what was the problem? Jesus said they were slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. That little three-letter word is huge. They were slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. In other words, they were picking and choosing which parts of the message they wanted to believe in. See, when you read, look at the prophecies about Messiah, you find some that say things like this, okay? This is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Look at it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. You want to sing it with me? And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yes, Messiah, conquering king, Victorious ruler. That's who Messiah is going to be. And then you find other prophecies that say things like this. Isaiah 53, same book. Chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Transgressions, iniquities, just different words for sin. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Messiah, suffering, sin-bearer. Now, if you were a Jew living under Roman oppression, which prophecy would you like better? <laughs> yeah, we want the, the victorious king Messiah, not the suffering for our sins Messiah. See, they didn't get it. They did not get, as Jesus says in verse 26, that the Christ had to suffer, or another way to translate it, it was necessary 
for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter his glory. They didn't understand that their greatest need was not deliverance from Rome. Their greatest need was deliverance from their own sin. Us too. And so they focused on the scriptures they liked and they just kind of disregarded the ones they didn't like. Well, how foolish. Okay, don't we do that? Don't we do that? Don't we pay close attention to the verses we like and just kind of ignore the ones we don't like? Sure we do. We love verses that say, God is loving and gracious. But we're not quite so fond of the ones that say that God is holy and hates sin and judges sin. We cherish verses that tell us that Jesus forgives us. Oh, yes. But then he says, now I want you to forgive others the same way that I've forgiven you. Not so much. We're glad. We we are glad to have those promises where God promises to meet all of our needs. But we may not like it so much that he tells us, to give generously, like 10% or more to his work and to people in need around us. And on and on it goes. You know, it says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Oh, yes, I can't wait to go to prayer and cast all my cares on the Lord. And, but he also says things like, don't gossip ever. Say only those words that will build people up. That's not so great. It says, enjoy sex. It does. I'm just summarizing the Song of Solomon there. (laughs) It says that. Great, but only in marriage. Never outside of it. Oh. See how easy it is to pick and choose? It's so easy to do. Jesus says, that's foolish. Now catch this. He says it's foolish. He doesn't say it's wrong. It is wrong, but that's not what foolish means. Foolish means, well, it means stupid. It means stupid. Okay, why is it stupid to only pay attention a part of this, to the, to the uh, teaching we like. Now, I'm not talking about the fact, I mean, the Bible records, you know, things that people say that aren't true. It records lies. It records, uh, you know, falsehoods. But I'm talking about what it teaches, the message, all right? Why is it foolish to only pay attention to part of that message and not to all of it? Why is it foolish to only focus on the verses we like and disregard the verses we don't like. Here's why it's foolish. Because whenever we disregard part of God's message, we are going to miss out on Jesus in some way. Because that's who this message is about. 
The Bible is about knowing Jesus Christ. The Bible is about trusting Him. It is about experiencing His love and His power and His goodness and His healing and His eternal life and His joy. And if we are to, if we're going to miss out on Him in any way just because we think we know better than to trust this, We've got a better idea. And so we end up missing out on Jesus to some degree because of that. That's what happens. That's just plain stupid. It's not worth it. You know, I read this story and I have to ask, what is wrong with these guys? Jesus is right in front of them and they don't see him. How can that be? And then I'm forced to ask, well, where am I missing Jesus? Where am I missing Jesus because I'm being foolish and not believing all that he wants to teach me? And I'm not trusting him in some way. And I'm missing him. So then we come to lesson number three, which I personally am very happy about. Jesus patiently loves and graciously corrects those who are foolish. Jesus patiently loves and graciously corrects foolish people like me. Jesus calls these guys foolish. He's not trying to humiliate them. He's trying to help them. You see this? He doesn't condemn them. He corrects them. See what great lengths he goes to to explain and to teach? Will you notice how Jesus is the one who took the initiative? Jesus took the initiative and met up with them and walked with them and taught them why I don't know apparently because he loves them just think for a minute about who these two guys are think about that that's very encouraging to me or better yet put it this way think about who they aren't they're not apostles They are not extraordinarily gifted people. They are not men of exceptional faith, obviously. And you know what? We never read about them ever again. This is it. These are just two guys. Just two ordinary guys who need to trust God more than they do. They need Jesus. They need him to rescue them from their confusion. They need him to redirect their lives. Man, that sounds so much like me. That sounds so much like us. We need to trust God more. We need to trust him more than we do. 
We need to believe all of his word, not just the parts we think we like. We need to follow all of his directions. We need to experience the lordship of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We need to experience his lordship in every area of our lives, not just some of them, not just our Sunday morning thing. And Jesus will patiently and lovingly lead us if we'll listen to him, if we'll follow him. He is risen. He is still risen. And if we believe that, it will change everything. Not all at once. But it will put us in a whole different direction. Yeah, it's very interesting. Notice what happens to these guys when they finally realize Jesus is alive. He is alive. What do they do? Man, they hightail it back to Jerusalem. You know, you get the idea that this was a long journey. And, you know, it took a while to get there, seven miles. I don't know, what's that, a couple hours? And then they say, Jesus, or they don't know it's him yet, but they say, oh, you need to stay with us. It's getting dark. It's, it's going to be night soon. Well, somehow, when they found out that was Jesus and he's really alive, that didn't matter anymore. Is it inconvenient to travel after dark? Yeah, apparently in those days, they did, it didn't matter. Back to Jerusalem, whoosh, they go. Because now they know it's not over. It's just beginning. It's just beginning. Are you trusting the living Lord Jesus Christ? Are you trusting him to rescue you from your confusion, from your sin? Are you trusting him to redirect your life? To change everything? That's what happens after Easter when we really believe. Let's, let's bow our heads and pray. I just want to give you a quiet moment to talk to the Lord. And I would just say that if you're here today and you haven't yet said yes to Jesus to receive his free gift of life, we're going to be commemorating that here in just a few minutes around the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. It just, what's it look like? It looks like saying, okay, Jesus, you're alive. You are who you claim to be. You are the Redeemer. You are the Messiah. You're the only one that can forgive. You are the sin bearer. And I need you to bear my sin and take it and nail it to that cross and set me free. And I need you to redirect my life. And if uh, you can think today of areas of your life where you're not following his directions, you're disregarding his directions because it's inconvenient or you don't think it's going to make you happy, Will you just listen to him tell you that you're being foolish and I'm being foolish? And he is so gracious to want to lead us to embrace all of the truth about him 
and all that he teaches so that we can experience life as he means it to be. So maybe you and, and I and just need to take a moment and once again tell him, Lord, we need you to lead us in every area of our lives. Show us where we're missing it. Show us where we're missing you. Where your glory is and, and we're missing. We're missing your glory because we're not listening to you. Let's just pray. Will you just go to the Lord and I will too. Father, we sang together earlier, my eyes have seen the glory of the Lord. Your glory is here. It's in the message you've given us, this portrait of Jesus risen from the dead. It's in the truth of history. It's, it's all around us. But sometimes we miss it, God. We miss it because we don't pay attention to you. We don't listen to you like we should. Help us. Help us trust you, living, risen Savior and Lord. We pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Flight of Baptist Church podcast. To stay connected or for more resources, visit our brand new website at philida.org. Thank you.